punters. G'day, welcome to a little bit of deep dive light. I'm just taking it off the visuals for the short term. Just to just until we come back a little bit stronger and towards the spring carnival. Yeah, so it's just myself, Pete Anthonis, Shane Curlio, just us two. We're gonna be going around the grounds and discussing how we performed over the weekend, but curls, welcome. Made a little bit of shallow diving, you might say. <laughs> Audio <Just> only. <laughs> We need the floaties on. We're going going into the ankle deep water. Um, there's plenty to talk about though. The floaties were required at Randwick. And I probably the, the key thing that stood out to me was the flops in the Queen Elizabeth, the flops and the slop, if you like. Mm. Really difficult to know. Um, the helicopter stunt <laughs> did get pulled off as we saw. Um, now, was the straight faster than the rest of the track because the straight had the helicopter on it? I would have thought the helicopter would have had to fly upside down to get full maximum impact from the from the blades twirling. But like, was the straight faster? And or what what was? I, I don't what, know. What's like, the track? I don't like, think anyone knew what was going on with that track, like at, at all. I mean, often you can understand the inside lanes and the straight perhaps being a little bit inferior, but in the middle, traditionally at Randwick, there's got that just no man's land where it's just complete garbage. And then you've got the fastest lanes have always been against the outside fence. But often with rail yep. four metres, it's difficult to cut the corner, get the angle right, because otherwise you just lose ground. And clearly once Nash did it on a horse that reportedly can't handle heavy tracks and it's managed to win 50 to 1. I was so surprised that no one else tried to do the same thing in the last two races. You're just watching them waiting, waiting, waiting. Nope. And sort of you've just got horses in the middle of the track, just in that complete mud mud zone. And mm. the horses along the inside seem to be performing still a bit better. But just bizarre riding, wasn't it? Um, unfathomable. Yeah. Still, you might say. Yeah. If you knew how to say it. Um, <laughs> the first thing that struck me was um, the post-race comments from Nash saying that he trotted out um, a couple of races uh, down the outside fence to the start and felt that it was superior ground and thought that he'd leave that up his sleeve for the big one. Now, now I know he did ride a winner. I think my Kinlock may have won the, the nothing race. Yeah. Um, that he rode from gate 16. Now, we're just going to check the punting form data here. Uh, Kinlock, lane nine yep. in the straight. Um, think it over was lane 28. It's about as wide as you can get. You don't get wider than that. You're, you're, no. in like the, you're in the toilets with some of the punters up in the stables bar <laughs> if you go any wider. Um, so, like, I'm not sure. I'm just sort of quickly checking how many rides Nash had before the... Um, before the, the big one, but you'd be half sick on him, wouldn't you, that he didn't ride one of, you know, one that you might have had a share in or something, you know, down well, the outside fence. And can and as you said, what the fuck were they doing after that? Like clearly established that a wet a horse that doesn't handle the wet has gone down the outside fence on the ambulance track and won the <laughs> Queen Elizabeth. Why, why wouldn't anyone else follow uh, those tactics? Just I don't know, afraid of getting it wrong. Um, I mean, Nimali and uh, Anavisto, the race after, they obviously settled more prominently and they just had the race to themselves, which mm. I was a little bit 
sick on because I sort of mug bet Anavisto uh, just after that first start performance. I know it didn't go any good last start, but I had a, a ping there and for half loomed and then Ollie just sucked up behind it and gapped it on a 30 to one shot. Um, just, I don't know. It's bizarre, bizarre meeting. And, and what do you take out of it? Which, but that's probably the best mm. thing about this meeting is that a lot of these horses will just go to off to breaks or hopefully never be seen again in the case of very elegant, um, which you, you were obviously very happy to take on. Yeah, well, I made this big song and dance about it, didn't I? Um, playing at Wynnum Place. Um, yeah. Um, Relish is a hot tempo. I've said this. Like, goes like the faster they go, the better she goes. Yeah. Um, I, I sort of did, I think, I'm not sure whether I tweeted or I tweeted on a different handle about um, <laughs> if they weren't cowards, they'd lead on it. Um, cowardly ride. Cowardly tactics, I should say. I shouldn't say cowardly, right? Because they're not cowards. But but the tactics were unwinnable tactics. Is yeah. what I was getting at. And surely the older she's got, the more, you know, the further the better. Um, I don't know. It's just, I, like it was just a couldn't win. Couldn't win from the moment that Zaki settled and everyone found their spot. And typical, you know. I. Have you ever no, seen... no one's prepared to take a risk. No, exactly. They were all, pre- they, they were all afraid to, you know, um, they, they, no one was prepared to fail. Um, have you ever seen a race where so many fancied horses have just completely done nothing? Um, well, I can't really. I, don't, I, can't no, I can't think of one. Obviously, Zaki um, was well-rated and... Well, when I say well-rated, went slow. <laughs> yeah, you know, like people watching the race would could possibly argue that Zaki was well-rated. Yep. I don't know whether that's. I don't know. Anyway, they seen. Yeah, I thought it had every chance. Um, you know, Mount Popper's run third. Dallas Sands ran fourth. Um, Unfortunately, very elegant did beat on Thunderstruck home. Otherwise, the last four home would have been very elegant. Duets, Montefilia, and Animo. Yeah, <laughs> all the fancies. Um, yeah, hard to, yeah, hard to understand it. Hey, like, and they weren't beaten; they were fucking gapped. Yeah, still. yeah, they were beaten six, six point four lengths to Dallas and and Mount Popper's beaten them all by two and a half plus. Yeah, who was one hundred to one in a fifty to one shot? Who's never done anything on heavy as such has completely mm. wrecked them um that wasn't the only thing at Randwick though was it I, I mean we'll ignore the fact that Nash was apparently investigated for a number of whip strikes and he's what before the he's used it three more times than necessary in a 2000 meter race yeah. on a heavy track and he's copped it he's copped a total of forty thousand dollars in fines and been suspended uh, I mean what, what are we doing with this rule full stop I mean we, we, my opinion's very simple. It should just be the same as Hong Kong rules. Get rid of the change of tactics and whip strikes, but that's not necessarily the way the industry's going and we can't do anything about it. But um, No, and nor, and nor, like you say, nor are they going to uh, uh, police it. Um, it's just a revenue raiser <laughs> by dishing out fines. It, like, you know, it doesn't, af- doesn't affect... I read the stewards contemplated the whether that... Sh- whip strike uh, affected the result. 
would have been staggering. They're not, they're not, they're not returning a result in a $4 million feature no. key race of the year. It's like the, like the Animo um, Cox Plate. Yeah. Job. Like, come on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, look, the whip rule, like, like no whip. Which, you know, in the places I bet, most jockeys can't pull the whip <laughs> at the provincials and the country <laughs> Queensland meetings anyway. Um, seen a little bit of that at Perth oh. as well at times. Um, so, like, full whip or no whip? I don't like, I don't care about the no whip thing. If they don't have a whip, they don't have – they can carry one and it can only, you know, use it forehand for the safety or trying to steer it if it's hanging out or something. But I couldn't care less. Yeah. Really, like – Jockeys don't either. It's it's pretend sometimes, it's a, isn't it? It's a two point three million dollar to the winner race. Nash is pulling that stick and he's lifting that thing yeah. and bashing it. Which is exactly why you put him on in those sort of races, because you know he's going to ride harder and smarter than probably ninety five percent of the rest of them. But that's I not hope the, the only... owners pay yeah, I <laughs> hope the owners pay is fine because oh. that was like just to have the the nuts to do that, yeah. Is is hashtag full credit. Hopefully you told a few of them beforehand. They had to double the wager just in case. Um, but speaking yeah. of revenue raising, this has been the case in Sydney for the best part of a couple of months now, but they are running so far behind time. Like, what do they think they are, Shartin? Which you can understand in Hong Kong because <laughs> it's the only game in town and you can't bet Correct. anywhere else. So what does it matter? Like, you just, that's, that's what it is. And obviously there's more turnover the closer they start getting to loading. But... They're taking the piss, aren't they, in Sydney? Well, look, this goes back a little way, Pistol, and uh, the instigator of this was Racing Victoria launching their own digital and then free-to-air platforms, um, televising Victorian racing and South Australian racing. And, um, you know, this is like the typical petty behaviour from the CEO of Racing New South Wales that um, now has, you know, consequences across the whole you know, racing calendar, uh, Australian racing calendar. No, what is it? Calendar. What is it on the day? Like the programming, the program, you yeah. know, like, you know, for those that were had a bet at Perth and wanted to watch it on Sky One, well, forget watching Perth on Sky One. They, rah, 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 whatever the <laughs> racing body is in WA. Rah, rah, rah. Rah, 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 rah. Um, I'm not sure whether they've got any coin. Maybe Bob Peters can pay, but his horses are going terrible. But they need to come up with their own alternatives now the whole country would be looking at this saying this this guy is detrimental to to australian racing um it's got to be bigger than he's just doing his job for racing new south wales yeah it's got to be bigger than that now it's gone beyond that do you reckon i can give a bit of free advice we've already had you know a few other of, of the other broadcasters just like mimic what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks so I'll put this out there and see if it happens in the next six months. There is that much digital bandwidth on our free-to-air networks at the moment. Like we've got, whether it's Channel 7 or Channel 9, they have to devote a certain amount of airtime to Australian programming on their key channel, their central channel, and then all the other ones they end up just feeling which is crap, whether it's cooking shows or reruns of 1970s sitcoms, all that sort of stuff. There is that much digital bandwidth that there is no reason why we couldn't have dedicated broadcast teams running from start to finish at every racetrack around Australia and just have individual channels. If you want to give the presenters a 10-minute break in between, that's fine. Why not just do a highlights package of the last three, four years 
you know, go back to classic racing, what happened last week, do little review segments, whatever it is. It's not hard to do this, guys. Like, it's seriously easy to program this. And then show the mounting yard in full. Like, don't take us for a bunch of fucking numpties who just want to sit there and go, oh, what's the late market fluctuations thanks to the tab? Like, actually dedicate a full mounting yard coverage. As soon as they enter the parade ring, you have cameras on them. Even if there's no commentary, that's fine. Like, just show us dead air, play some relaxing music in the background, and just have one channel dedicated to each of the five metropolitan centres on a Saturday. Like, is it that hard? It's not hard. It's not. It's seriously not hard. I think the argument's always been about the Sky Channel pubs and clubs yeah. um, thing, but like Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, who gives a shit? You can I've got still have your Sky. You can still have that rotating through and people who yeah. want to watch Sky can do that. But then you've got other alternatives as well. And you're already paying the broadcast team to actually be there on course. Just switch the camera over. Just turn it on. Yeah, it's look, fun. I think Perth's a great example of that. Like I obviously when I'm betting on a Saturday and it's like goes into that hell hole that's Toowoomba and um, <laughs> Perth's still on. Like I, I want to be on Thoroughbred Central like listening to the on-course presenters yep. at Perth um, because I'm not watching the dogs and trots, nah. the, the Kino races um, <laughs> at that era of the day. So, But like you say, the, the infrastructure's already there. The people are getting paid to present. You know, more Brit on free-to-air would be easy to watch. Oh. And completely. She, she's one of the most knowledgeable people about racing that I know. She's probably one of the top three presenters in the country. Um, yeah. And it's just staggering that they get thrown to with about four and a half minutes left before the jump. And it's like, oh, let's quickly rush through. Scotty's got to do yeah. like one line on every horse and he's just battling to get them all out in a 15-horse field. It's just, it's torture. Like, give them a bit more opportunity to showcase what they know and show how good they are and show us the horses for those at home. And not a forced talent either. She's mm. a genuine talent. Not a, oh, shit, Lizzie Joss left. We better fill this um, <laughs> airtime with a token female presenter. And like, with all due respect, like that's what it sounds like mm. when you're listening and, and watching the coverage compared to the queen herself, Lizzie, genuine yep. um, talent. And, and same with Britain WR, I think. Anyway, it sounds a bit rude. No, yeah. I, do, I do like what Channel 7's done, though. They've clearly realised that racing is going forward. It's difficult to market it because it's at a stage where, you know, whether or not people accept the industry for what it is and whether or not people are going to tolerate the, the use of animals in a wagering sport going forward, that's like, it's going to be pretty, pretty dicey and it's probably only going to get more difficult realistically. But Channel 7's deliberately mm. put Caitlin Mallion, Lizzie Jelf's front and centre of the broadcast and presenting team because they clearly have a love for the animal. They're not just like these old white guys just like drawling over the narrative and the winds and all that sort of stuff. And then they've put the mm. doyen Bruce McAvaney alongside them who can provide that little bit more historical background from another person who yeah, clearly true. loves the sport. But it's, they've been really smart with it. And you kind of wish they that, have. you know, potentially some of the other broadcasters might look at that and say, well, that's the model. Get people on who are genuine, love the animal, and it comes across, especially with that feminine touch. It's just, it sounds so much more genuine than, uh, than like if you or I were hosting, which would never happen. Gen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I'm non-commercial. Yeah. And, and <laughs> speaking of non-commercial, like Caulfield, for me, there wasn't really much to do. I, I think I've made this pretty well known since I got back into Victoria. It was just how much better it is to bet at Flemington than anywhere else in Melbourne. And then yep. I had two bets, right? So Ocean's Gen, I've never seen a horse go from travelling 
perfect ride from Jai McNeil and then just stopped as soon as it entered wow. the straight. It was just, I, I've got no idea what happened there. And then, Boom. oh, just later in the card, like race well, what, six. What about, just, just, just touching on that Ocean's Gen, did the same bloke that fired the bullet from the sniper rifle to stop it lay it on the fair at the same time? I, I didn't see what was happening in, in run, but oh, it was unreal, wasn't it? Unreal. Yeah. And like Stewart's yeah. report, like performed below market expectations. Ryder could offer no explanation for the disappointing report, uh, performance. Post-race bed exam failed to reveal any obvious abnormality. Stewards will follow up with the stable, which kind of looked like it, but it wasn't as if mm. it was horrendously soft laid on the fair. It was just like finding its normal price. But race no. six for me, it was the only other bet I had on Magic Max. I had to go and watch the replay because as soon as I watched the race, I thought that's probably one of the biggest slaughters I've seen this year. And I've watched the replay and I'm still convinced that that's the case. Just ended up getting flushed back to defence. Couldn't hold a spot between uh, Tip and Wooty, Tip and Wooty, I think it was, and um, My Numero Uno, who was completely and utterly legless, failed to finish. And Magic Max Arguably, gets flushed back to the rail. Enormous yeah. over the last 200. Like the, the figure's enormous. Scissor Step's gone... Very, very well first up, including performing the, the best figure on the day. But Magic Max, yep. bloody hell. Like, I know Fastest people were blowing... last 200 of the meeting. Yeah. There was people blowing yeah. up about Botany earlier in the day, or in the next race, I should say, um, in race seven. But for me, Magic Max is one of the, the bigger slaughters I've seen so far this year. Now, we're about wagering and we're about wagering and we're about data that leads to having said wages. We take no personal angle against any participant. We only rely on this data. She's unbackable. Yeah. She's unbackable. Like, this is a... Now, luckily our um, personal chat groups don't get leaked. Pistol. Uh, this is a well-discussed setup uh, in our chat groups. Um, seven winners from last hundred rides. Negative twenty percent, twenty-six percent pot. Um, winning strike rate of the last twelve months of four point nine percent. Eight percent lifetime, like unbackable. Somber, somber reading. How the, like and, um. Some of these, like, and some, and some certain stables just keep running with the same setups. Yeah. Staggering. This is a, like, it's staggering. Yeah. Anyway. So it's, it's my own fault. Try not to be That's personal about it. Just, sorry. <laughs> it's my fault for clearly backing the horse in the yes, first place. Yeah, actually, yeah. I'm just trying to rub it in <laughs> yeah. a bit deeper. But M. Lloyd, unbackable, like, you know, probably, I should have done the stat earlier. I should have, like, broken down metropolitan and provincial. Um, all country, you know, like oh, rode a winner at Mooney Valley there once. Um, look, I'm sure if they can find a spot leader, outside leader, and don't have to steer, and just the, let the horse get dictated to by the speed, either inside it or outside it, they'll, yeah. they'll probably ride a winner. Yep. Uh, when they have to steer them, it's dangerous. Um, obviously did win on this horse. Um, 
prior. So, you know how racing is. Oh, she's done a good job on it first up. Well, retains the ride. <laughs> yeah. You know, winning a class one at even money at where? Morfittville yeah, Parks. Yep. Then goes into an open $130,000 race at Melbourne and retains the ride. Like, it was, oh, we haven't got video. It was dual nominated to, to race at Morfittville as well, and it would have been a complete and utter certainty. Um, anyway. Mm, not we, all certainties win in Adelaide, though, Peter. No, they certainly don't. It's one of the harder joints, I think, to, to actually watch without having grown up watching Morfittville religiously. You think something's travelling well as a leader going in towards the straight, just stops in the last 50 to 100. Um, you know, luckily, yeah, I, I had three bets in Adelaide. Two of them compounded, ran about fourth or fifth as leaders. And luckily, my whisper was far too good sitting three wide off the track off a slow tempo and never looked like losing in the straight. So at least I got one right and got something out of it. But gee and, whiz. And well done us for finding my whisper too on the preview show. It was there for all to see. And the price was um, wonderful, wasn't it? Yeah, well done me for getting the map completely wrong again. I've sort of <laughs> said that Chips Ahoy will be going, Chips Ahoy will be going forward and taking up a prominent position. But he knew what he was on. You know, he just sat three wide, no cover. He knew the horse he had under him. Yep. Three wide, no cover. Um, you know, the tempo was, but it sat back. The leader was, um, you know, millions and running along, thinking he's Brent Nubdulla on the squatty <laughs> spirit. Um, and my whisper, three wide, no cover, uh, appeals the ninth fastest last 400 and the second fastest last 200 of the meeting. Um, and, you know, obviously, Oaks type of, but anyway, it, it's going to get further, isn't it? Like, it's going to, yeah. she's going to continue to get out in trip. She's going to run over 2000 next time. Yeah. I'd assume, um, which would probably make her favourite uh, for the Oaks. I thought Mac and Cheese. Had its back, peeled to make its run, and I thought it had its chance. Yeah, 14th best performance this... on the card, my whisper, off that very slow tempo. That I think that's a that's a really good performance. Yeah, very strong. Oaks favourite. How, how's this though? Daisies can. <laughs> what, what about daisies? <laughs> um, we had it run in the end third, didn't it? Um, I was just. Like it wasn't, it wasn't winning from the once that Harley moving um, lob leaders back. Like when we've mapped it, like you know, three or four back the fence, and Daisy's getting all momentum, and Harley moving made use of the gate. Um, great ride, RJ Hurdle, because um, I'm sort of like segueing to a bit of Brisbane form here, but yeah. like so, certain jockeys in Brisbane that have drawn a gate to, you know, be a little bit more prominent and just sit on it and just go, oh, I'll just, I'll just let this settle wherever it <laughs> finds its feet. Oh, fuck, I'm last the fence on the $2.20 favourite here. Um, they don't care. Where this, there was an intent there, it used the gate, settled behind the leader, and then um, once clear at the top of the lane, pissed in. Tempo-wise, they've gone 10.7 lengths slow to the 600 for the class. Uh, yeah, Daisy's ran the 14th fastest of the race, 6 to the 4. Yeah. And then got second fastest of the race, 4 to 2, and then probably plateaued out where Harley moving was third fastest, 6 to 4, third fastest, 4 to 2, and then fastest 2 to the furlong, 2 yep. to the finish. Look for a different setup um, next up. Yeah, look for a different setup. Can it 
Daisy's turn it around. Um, well, I'd say Daisy's goes um, goes back to um, what do you call it? Philly's grade. Mm. Where it'll clash the um, my whisper and mac and cheese. Last thing on Adelaide, best performance in the day. See you in heaven. By 0.8 of a length, it's a two-year-old filly. Best performance on the card. Mm. Off an even tempo. Um, yes, H2O was the favourite there, I think, and this thing sort of sat off them and it didn't find the line like a nice horse. Um, yeah. Stable mate to the favourite H2O, I think. Yeah. Um, Double-figure winner. Interesting, double isn't figure it? Double-figure winner. Interesting. Amazing. Um. That's, good that's strike ugly. rate, good, good, good profitable trainer. Yeah, I think yep. it's Richard and Chantel. Yeah, listen yep. to me talking like I know Adelaide. <laughs> last hundred, last hundred runners, twenty eight percent winning strike rate, eleven percent profit on turnover. It's pretty impressive numbers. Let's just have a very quick look at Brisbane. Um, rails in run was essential. On my figures, it was over one point four length advantage to be rails in run. Mm hmm. Yes. Um, let's touch on that quickly. Um, the jockeys didn't know that, Peter. <laughs> what the fuck are they talking about in the jockeys' room? I don't know. Or whether they're communicating or they just, you know, I don't know what they're doing. But um, now we got the money with Coco Rocks because I did map it rails in run and had a late bet on it. Yep. Um, I was so smart, Pistol. I was so smart with this bet because I was like, this is a rails in run day. So all I've got to do here is identify the horse that's going to be rails in run and it's going to be a fill up. And I'll bet now because everyone else will be onto this. Right? The whole market <laughs> will, will be onto Coco Rocks um, finding the fence and the favourite put on the red light from gate 10 will be nowhere near the fence. So I took 3.30. It's SP'd $4 on the fare. <laughs> Put on the red light from gate 10. Now, because I said it would drift, I think I, I think I said put on the red light will drift. Um, from the moment I said that, it went $4 into three ten. Yeah. Coco Rocks went the other way. Now, Steph Thornton has gone from barrier 10, snagged, fencing run last, and then we're behind the leader. We peel off the fence. Every other jockey in the race peels off the fence and put on the red light, scrapes paint all the way up the straight and nearly nails us. Dead said, I wouldn't have recovered from that. Like, that was race five. Yeah. There was a clear, obvious pattern that you've got to be closest to the rail as possible. Christ, we got away with one there, but then the rest of the day turned to shit. Well, um, I mean, Sale the... drew gate one, never used it. Isabella Spring was fenced all the way up the straight uh, from the 600 and, you know, Malian's off the fence on Sale trying to, you know, get out and run on. One of the few horses that did run on from out wide um, on the day. But Christ. I was just looking at the quaddy. I think it was a carryover in two of the oh, states. I mean, like it, well, it's, since we're... What was it, the shortest runner, like $13, $14 or something? Like they're all... Oh, well, let's... Yeah, let's quickly rip through the, the quaddy legs, I suppose. Um, bar none, $30-odd. Gate one is always going to be rails in run. Um I thought the nine and the twelve. I thought the twelve would be forward and the nine would be forward, and they both ended up like midfield off, you know, back and wide with you know complete pen jobs in run. Um, 
race seven, we were on Gowanji. It's one of the biggest bets of the day. Um, Larry Cassidy had to rip his goggles off at the 200 to see where to steer it. Stood up and ripped his goggles off and then shot the gap. Um, I'd imagine it's ran the fastest last 200 without even uh, having to look too hard. It absolutely, like, steamed home. Oh, no, it ran the fastest last 400, second fastest last two. Steamed home um, and a 40 to one shots led and walked and dashed from the 600 and beat me. Yep. Beat us, I should say. Yeah, last chance. Um, drew gate 11 and somehow lobbed in a beautiful spot <laughs> and wins it, whatever price it was, 20-odd, $21. And, um, yeah, that last leg was more Sundays off a hot tempo and a wide jaw and Larry Cassidy. Fucking hell, Larry. Wrong race. Uh, produced a gem. So, uh, Shamerton made ground back and wide. It's going to be one of those really difficult meetings to um, to review because horses out back and wide off medium tempos were just pen jobs. So yeah, yeah, it's a long, 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 long review. They're, they're some of my favourite. You go to the, like the next start, and you see it came from this meeting. It was back and wide, ran good splits, and you're just like, yep, almost like an auto bet, not suited against the day. Finds a suitable setup, just bet. Yeah, absolutely. You just got to put in the work on these meetings, yeah. eh? as much as you hated at times. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was um, that was Brisbane. Yeah, and I'll just wrap up with basically one sentence in Perth. It was probably the first time that Bob Peters and Cerise and White haven't had a runner in the WA Derby. I think since I've been going to the races, and uh, the the winner Alaskan God is a, a nice enough staying type, but. Just the transition between, you know, only a couple of months ago, Bob Peters was winning these Group 1s with Willie Pike on board and suddenly there's no Pike, there's no Grant and Alana Williams training these horses and suddenly it's just the wheels have come completely off. There's just, I don't know, it's in free fall. We'll see how showmanship goes at sale. I believe he's resuming this week. So Good Friday Racing, it's not just confined to WA this year. They've taken this oh, special racing. day away. Yeah. They're racing elsewhere. That's yep. this Friday, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So, um, yes. lot of lot of pretend Christians in Queensland. We still don't race. <laughs> Good Friday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, um, so anyway, we'll stand stay tuned for that. There'll be Mountain Guard Mail from Ascot Friday and Saturday. Um, we'll push forward to that. Eke, yeah, eke out a few wins, no doubt. Uh, Jackson's got Geelong Wednesday, Sale Friday. So he's got the Good Friday meeting as well in Caulfield on Saturday, back at the Heath. And what have you got this week, Curls? Um, yes, just a light week, actually. It's bloody refreshing. Um, there's Birdsville Monday, Mackay <laughs> Tuesday, which I'll steer clear of. Um, Doombin Wednesday, so that'll be interesting coming off the back of the meeting there and we get the rail at 11 metres. Yep. Um, it's always fun to, to try and work out. Sort of, you can make ground at 11 metres, you can't make ground at nine, I think, traditionally. I'll have to go back and double check that. Uh, Toowoomba, now there's Toowoomba and Townsville on Thursday. I'm just trying to work out, surely they both won't run at this. Well, they'll potentially run during the day because it's North Queensland v Southeast. Um yep. But hope, hoping that Toowoomba's a, like a twilight slash evening to coincide with the Packenham meeting. Nah, nah, Goon and Toowoomba on the same night. Imagine how many units we can lose there. And then Saturday, 
Saturday, Easter Saturday, racing all over the place in Queensland. There is one, two, three meetings at a tab that I know of, and one of them is the Gatton, Laidley Cup at Gatton oh. on Saturday afternoon. Sounds magnificent. Takes a bit of the gloss off Eagle Farm and Gold Coast meetings, having Gatton on as well. So, well, yeah, I can't wait for the uh, for the previews later in the week. Then there will be uh, there'll be all sorts happening. Anyway, we'll catch up on Thursday. We'll preview a few meetings. We'll probably do some some more Adelaide form because we're having a bit of bit of a good time doing that. It's I don't know whether I'll make any big calls in Adelaide <laughs> this Saturday for this Saturday's racing because you know there's no racing at Toowoomba Saturday night, so it'd be unfair <laughs> if I. Said I was going to do race by race from Toowoomba when there's no Toowoomba. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll leave it for the week. We'll declare a moral next week, I'm sure. Anyway, girls, pleasure yeah. to catch up as always. Thanks for your time. We'll see you on Thursday Thanks for again. the preview show. Looking forward to it, mate. Cheers.